2: good morning my little early bird here's the thing (laughs) Every time we record, if you go back and listen to all the times we record, we both start talking at the same time. I wanted to reserve my spot and make sure that I said something before
0: you even got the shot, Christine. Okay, well, you did your job. Thank you so much. That was everything I needed.
2: What's going on in this crisp 9.30 a.m.?
0: I want to go back to bed because it's my one day where Blaze gets to uh, wake up with a baby and I was like, oh yeah i get to sleep in but i'm still tired
1: <laughs> oh usually yeah. it's a
0: six thirty wake up how are
2: you i am shockingly more awake than you are i guess i don't mm-hmm. know uh you got your little sleepy eyes i also have sleepy eyes but i'm further away from the camera <gasps> mothman got my mothman mug from m schultz themselves i'm sorry you mean cletus hems
0: i mean cletus hems man of the hour
2: Yeah, that. Oh, I'll take that absolutely. Man, of this ungodly hour, (laughs) it is an ungodly hour. I'm
0: pretending like I'm awake right now, but yeah, wow, you're trying to like override my. um... Yes, I woke up at nine twenty, and we record at nine thirty, and I I somehow managed to put on like I brush my hair, make a coffee. I don't know how I did it, but I did it, and I'm here. I'm
2: proud of you. Thank you. And you've got your little classy, trashy headband. And,
0: Christine, you're wearing that zip-up you love so much. I love my little zip-up. You know, I had a dream that I wore it, and then I realized that I was also wearing pants. This is really weird that I dreamt about my hoodie. but um, (laughs) Wow, you really love that hoodie. I really love that.
1: (laughs) Wow, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I dreamt that I was wearing the hoodie, and then in my dream I realized I was also wearing, uh, it says comedy Comedy Works. It's from Denver. I was wearing matching Comedy Works sweatpants, and I was like, "Oh, Christine, that's too much." Um, (laughs) You know what? I'm happy for you. That's okay. I'm
2: in clothes that I really should have changed out of like more than 24 hours ago. I just keep I keep devolving into a a gross a grosser monster. I mean, you're at home, like your child at home. I feel like that's just what happens, you know. Sure. I'm um, well, also just um, a mess in well, general. I feel yeah. like I'm always wearing th- the, the same clothes for a little too long. I feel but like no that's one an umbrella,
0: umbrella term for both of us at all times. Um, I also wanted to say it's my fault that we're doing this because I have Remicade, so I should stop complaining. Oh,
2: it's your fault you've got a chronic illness. You were <laughs> asking for it. <laughs>
1: Oh ah, my gosh, right. Christine! You're
0: right. Boohoo, me. I love when you're
2: like, uh, "This is my year. I am going to absolutely work on my boundaries." Also, I'm so sorry that I have to go to <laughs> rehab.
0: Trash at everything I
2: try to accomplish. No, it's actually my fault because, uh, let's just say, I have I found out some, um, hmm. Mm. local gossip that I Mm. need to do some investigating on later that will not be mentioned on the show unfortunately but it's just like personal gossip uh, that I don't even think anyone here has an inkling of but uh I told Christine I was like hey I know you have Remicade um but I'm gonna need you to get up early anyway I have dinner plans (laughs) but I have dinner plans because I'm being I'm being told if I arrive, I'm going to get information that sounds cool, but, like, I don't know what it's
0: I think the be, problem, so. too, I'm excited for that, uh, although I slightly afraid. I feel like I need you to be on some sort of, like, uh, I don't know. I listen to too many true crime podcasts to feel comfortable with you saying, oh, I'm going to go just, like, see, see what's going on in this little gossip corner. I mean, it's 100%
2: a perfect bait trap, and I'm eating it up. So, like, if this is, <laughs> that is our the way last... way you would go, though. <laughs> if this is our last recording, know that I went out wanting this a little bit. I was, like... <laughs> choosing it. <laughs> honestly, at least they... I mean, they picked the smartest trap to yeah, just walk me knew. right in. They I know. have gossip. Are you in? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Blindly um, following. Yeah.
2: Um. I'm okay with it. Um, so, anyway... I know we're a little bit in a, in a little bit of a hustle because you want to make sure you get to your Remicade on time. And I certainly want to get back to nap time, so... Uh, um, more importantly. Yeah, exactly. We both have important things we've got to get to. <laughs> so we can rush this right along. Are you drinking anything before we get into this? Absolutely. I'm drinking my coffee out of my um. Oh, right. Man, Are you? I'm drinking another can of my, my LD, oh, Liquid yeah. Death. I just feel so cool with it, which you look is so obviously... Cool. I'm, it's the closest thing to a beer can I've ever held in my life. Mm-hmm. So let me mm-hmm. let me have this. Uh, yeah, at I'm thirty in and, the morning. <laughs> I'm thirty, but I feel like like a twelve year old who like thinks they're tricking everyone with a beer can. I love like, it. I'm still
1: having that. So anyway, <laughs> explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at FunLove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love
0: to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what, perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's gonna smell beautiful And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
2: Okay, I think you're really going to like this story, but... more for the tangents than Ooh. for the actual story no offense to the story um but i it's a it's another haunting i'm shocked how many ghosts in the hauntings. i've covered um and uh this is in cape cod hey. and this is the story of the uh Emlyn physic estate Ooh. Uh, Emlyn Physic is a name, by the way. I did is not. Is it? That's, I did it's a not. a human name. Wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> me either. It sounds like a like there's like a a spell to it. it sounds like a gremlin. It's my name, and then L E N Emlyn. Oh, that's like you and Leona almost. Not really. It's like me and a dude named Len, which is my grandpa's name actually. Which is also Leona's grandpa's name. So there you go. Hey, look. Okay, sure. I'll take it. However you want it, we're gonna do. that. I don't know. The Emlyn Physic Estate, and then Physic is spelled like physics, but with a K at the end, so it's sick. Ooh. So the Emlyn Physic Estate. Um. So, like I said, this is in Cape Cod. It is called Cape Cod's original haunted house. So I guess that means oldest. It's the original M. I don't know what more information you need. Right, the OG. My bad. and also uh to i feel like we don't talk about this a lot but to remind everybody if you did not know cape may is one of the most haunted uh towns in the u.s um i have had my own fair share of ghost stories in cape may and most people mm -hmm,
0: i don't worry i have it as a bullet point cape Um, may is part of cape cod i don't think i knew that is it part of cape cod no i thought you were i thought you were telling me that Oh, no, it's,
2: um, I know Cape May is in New
0: Jersey. Yeah, that's why I was confused. Oh, okay, I thought you were saying Cape May is part of Cape Cod. I was like, I didn't know that. Oh, did I say Cape Cod? Am I that tired? Wait, now I'm confused.
2: <laughs> oh, I don't, did I ever say the words Cape, Cape Cod? Yeah, the entire time. Oh, have I? I'm like 99% <laughs> sure. Am I, I don't know what's going and on. And then all
0: of a sudden you said cape may and i was like oh cape may
2: <laughs> oh shit oh no cape may this entire time no oh. cape cod <laughs> oh my god i'm so sorry okay see i am also tired i need my nap
0: i was like ready to go because i was like oh, i've been to cape cod like blaze's family i'm so time- sorry everybody this
2: is already starting real bumpy um okay <laughs> one bulletin cape may only no said cape, said cod. Cape, only cape, may. Of cape cod
0: Cape Cod. you're like oh is it and i was like i don't fucking
2: know <laughs> did i say that
0: i mean i could be completely missing it but i really thought i don't did. even
2: know why like i'm looking at my bullets i'm like what sentence was i leading into that could have even sounded like that like where i would have inserted so stupid whatever okay kate may it is in kate may uh and it's known as kate may's original haunted house okay now i'm following oh sorry everyone cape cod screaming right now okay <laughs> um so cape may is one of america's most haunted towns i have had my own ghost stories there i used to um go on some trips to cape may mm. and uh we stayed in some haunted hotels and uh, apparently cape may one of the reasons that it's so haunted is because its beaches have a higher level of quartz. <gasps> and then also there was a big um Uh, the Victorian era there was pretty booming, which was also around the time that Spiritualism came out for the Ah. first time. So I think maybe a combo deal of both of those um, might have done it. So speaking of my Cape May ghost stories, um, I thought I'd tell you one real quick. Yes! So uh, when I was there, there were two stories that happened at the same time. So I was 13 And I had gone with my mom, my mom's friend, and her kid. Okay. And the kid was 15. We were only a few years apart and we kind of grew up together from like until we graduated high school. And then after that, you know, we didn't see each other as much, but we would go on family trips together. And one of them was to Cape May where we stayed in this hotel. That was known to have a babysitter that had either died there Mm. or she died and then loved the place so much she would still visit this hotel. I guess the hotel used to be a a family home and she lived there as the nanny and she would always watch the children. So the story always went that she still babysat the kids that would go there today. No, thanks. And so my mom and her friend were like, okay, we're going to go to have like our own dinner down in the lobby uh like there was a restaurant down there um the two of you kids just stay in the hotel room don't cause any problems and as soon as she left the tv turns on by itself no and my friend she was not believing me the entire time because she was i think in the bathroom like shaving her legs or something like she was like something that cool teenagers did back then yeah, something I wasn't doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, and so she thought I was trying to like trick her and like turn the TV on, turn the TV off. And eventually she comes out of the room to be like, Can you stop it? And I'm just sitting there with, there's no remote. Petrified. Petrified because the TV turns on, off, on, off. And then it would turn, the volume would go all the way no. up. And my friend was like, so We're going to get in trouble. Like, someone's going to complain that our TV's too loud. Turn it down. And as she would, Because we couldn't find the remote anywhere, she would walk up to the TV to manually turn down the volume. And as she got to the TV, it'd turn off by itself. Ew. And then as she would leave to come talk to me, the TV would turn on again, and the volume would go all the way up and all the way down like it was playing with us. Ew. It was really gross. And so eventually it freaked us out so much. because It happened for like a half an hour where every time we tried to do something intentional with the TV, it would do the opposite right Mm. before we could get to the TV. So we freaked out and we like ran down to the lobby. I'm sure our parents were like, we just got away from you. What could you need? We just got a glass of Cabernet
0: delivered to our table.
2: Exactly. And we were just freaking out being like, there's something in our room. We just know there's something in our room. And when they went back up to for us to show them what had been going on, just to gaslight us into looking super crazy. When our moms walked in, the remote was sitting in the center of the room on the floor. No, no, no,
0: no, no, no.
2: On that same trip, uh, there was uh, a I saw a woman dressed in purple who knocked over um, some stuff on a bookshelf and my mom thought it had been me. And the books, the storekeeper came over and was like, oh, do you need help cleaning this stuff up? And my mom was looking at me like I had thrown things on the floor to like cause a problem. And I was like, no, that was like the woman dressed in all this purple and apparently the woman in purple is like a thing at the store oh. and she has like been known to throw books off the shelves. And I saw her bump into it.
0: Ooh. And the storekeeper was like, oh, yeah, she's a she's a regular. Don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, those are my two stories
2: from Kate. Those May, are good. Thank you. I've well, never so- heard
0: those before. Those are uh, two of my
2: mom's favorites because like- she was actually there for them. So. And you
0: were causing problems.
2: Yeah, I, like what? I was just scared the whole time. I think those were the two times I was freaked out because I, I had seen things that people were telling me didn't happen. Hi,
0: Junie. Junie is driving me up the wall. He was just eating my zipper, just chewing, like chomping on the metal of my zipper. Like, what are you doing? Oh, what a great cats
2: are uh, reckless. <laughs> So anyway, this Kate May house, the uh, Emlyn Physic estate uh, in 1879, it was built for Dr. Emlyn Physick Jr. And he was 21 years old at the time. And he moved in with his widowed mom, which is what every source called her. Okay.
1: Mm. Uh, couldn't,
2: couldn't just be a mom. Um, widowed mom. Her name was Francis Ralston. And he also moved in with his, as all the sources put it, maiden aunt. Uh, oh, <laughs> Never married, uh, <laughs> and her name was Emily Parmentier. Uh, by the way, I had never heard the name Emlyn before, so I did look it up, and it means eager or industrious. In case oh, anyone that's cared, nice. Apparently, there was family drama. One source, I, I don't, I, I, I wish I wrote down this source in particular to give it a shout out, but this felt like if you, in the middle of the night, like just unraveled a thread by accident and went down a rabbit hole because. There was one website that I had found about the Emlyn family, and it had nothing to do with the history of the house. It was just someone had discovered, like, the family tree and saw all the drama in it and just, like, (laughs) did a blog on that. (laughs) <laughs> it was like, it said, but she's a widowed mother, but did you know she wasn't actually married at all to Emlyn's father? She was married to someone else, and then da, he died.
0: Da, da. I mean, it, it is all questionable drama. why they keep insisting she's a widow. It's like, okay, uh-huh. but like, what are you trying to prove, you know? Yeah,
2: it's like, why are why are we focusing on this so we, like, yeah. sleight of hand, don't notice the rest of it? Mm-hmm. And So anyway, I really appreciated whoever that blogger was, because she clearly... Went into this with a different plan and then Love ran it. with whatever she found. <laughs> um, and so yes, yeah, so there was some family drama. Plus, in many versions of the family's history, another aunt is apparently lived in the house with them. It wasn't just the one maiden aunt; there were two maiden aunts. Oh my gosh! So, uh, her name was Isabel or Isabella, and. She was left out of a lot of the history because she was quote sickly. Oh dear, she had epilepsy, which I am shocked that it's just wild that there was a time where that was enough to be ashamed of a person. Like yeah. they were, just, they were looking for anything, weren't they? Oh yeah. Um. So I guess Isabel, Isabella, she had epilepsy to a point where she was wheelchair bound, which oh. I don't know if that was just like an eighteen. 18- Hundreds way of settling that, or if maybe her epilepsy was really bad and she Mm -hmm. couldn't, you know, be left alone standing for too long. I don't know, but we do know that during social activities in the house, she was hidden upstairs away from everybody because it was embarrassing that That she was is so fucked, so fucked. So you're already setting up a lot of negative energy in the house, yeah. Um, but she ends up dying shortly after moving in, so. Uh, I don't. I don't know how long she was having to deal with living in that house, but she wasn't there for very long. Okay. Um, another fun fact that's not fun at all. Apparently Isabel was left out of so much history on the uh, Emlyn Physic Estate that the original tours given here didn't even mention her because they didn't mm. even know about her. So they like wrote Rough. her out of fucking history. Rough. Yeah. I hope Isabel's at least like feeling a little redemption of like, I hope so too. Like I was there. Hello. What's that? What's that? Like Nicki Minaj sound of like, you can't get rid of me, bitch. I'm still here. Like, or something like that. Um, okay. So when the, the father died, when Emlyn was young, so, uh, Emlyn's mother remarries a Mr. Ralston who died. And, uh, so Emlyn physic is obviously of the physic family, Mm -hmm. uh, who ironically, because I think of like physic, physical, the word sick is in their name, the family was a notorious family dating back to the 1700s with some of the best physicians of the time.
0: Okay, that's probably why they have that name. Uh, may, uh, I don't know. At
2: that time, I guess you could just pick a name. It's like, well, that works. Sure. <laughs> I feel like it
0: would have to be something like that, right? Because right? yeah. I mean, like if you think about names like table maker like it's from it's from like when they were carpenters back in the day and stuff
2: or maybe the last name carpenter
0: or the last if you were being a little too (laughs) literal didn't have any creative
2: right yeah bone in
0: your body sure
2: but no it does it does make sense that somewhere down the line someone needed to be named Physic to then be a physician. So maybe they were the original ones and Love physicians named after them. Well, so the family is so notorious um, for being in the medical field that Emlyn's grandfather, uh Dr. Physic also, he invented a lot of medical tools that were and still are used to this day, including the stomach pump. Whoa. And he was called the father of surgery. Whoa. So big shoes to fill for Seriously. Emlyn. Seriously. And he planned to go into the family business, and he went to uh, UPenn for med school. Jeez. Um, but eventually, after his father died, he left medicine and took the inheritance to be a farmer, mm. um, and he used the inheritance to build his estate. And in case anyone's wondering, the inheritance he got at the time, in the 1800s, was $7 million. <gasps> so uh, probably like two, around $200
0: million today. Oh, my gosh. So this guy was like, why on earth would I work? (laughs) Why would I be pumping stomachs if I could just like have an estate, you know?
2: Exactly. So uh, the estate was the largest and grandest estate in the city at the time. It had four acres, 18 rooms, apparently nine outbuildings. I don't know if those were all there at the same time or anything. Apparently, the house was in a stick style, which um, I have a picture of stick style for you because I didn't. I didn't know how to describe it on my own. So um I'm gonna send it to you on text. Okay. Um it feels a little like oh.
0: A Dutch? Is that the right word? I don't know it's I think it's it all looks those lines. Quite German to me almost. Like very Bavarian, like um uh what's the right word? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna show it to people on here if you're watching the YouTube. Yeah, it's it's wow my words aren't working today but yeah it has a lot of lines <laughs> like sticks <laughs> yeah i think that's why it's called stick style yeah, right like makes i sense
2: it so anyway i just wanted to show you a picture of it but yeah so stick
0: style and i i
2: guess it really is because it looks like there's a bunch of sticks on your house i don't know it looks like um,
0: good. It's not like oh, we just glued a bunch of branches to the to the house. If you're just listening and don't know what we're talking about,
2: it's it's fine, fine stickery. But fine. I don't.
0: Oh, it's fine stickery, exactly.
2: The finest. <laughs> um, and the estate was designed by an architect named Frank Furness. I wonder if he created the furnace or if his grandpa did, based on <laughs> names. Um, and he is said to be one of Frank Lloyd Wright's, uh, inspirations. Whoa. So a uh, big deal and very few buildings uh, are left in the U.S. that were designed by him. Some of the other ones are the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, uh, UPenn's Fisher Fine Arts Library, and the 6th Pennsylvania Calvary Monument on the Gettysburg Battlefield. So Whoa. big deal to be a stick Jeez. style by Mr. Furness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, if only like I could be. Weird children's book. <laughs>
2: um okay so in 1915 Emlyn's mother dies and a year later Emlyn dies i think they both died in the house too oh. um and having never married himself he ends up leaving the house to his aunt emily and when she dies she leaves the house to the neighbor because the neighbor took care of her as she was passing away and
1: Aww.
0: getting
2: older um So the neighbor now has the house, and in 1946, sells it to a power couple, which is uh, two doctors, Dr. Mm. Harry and Dr. Marion, newcomer. Here's the thing, though. So Marion dies only three years later, and Harry's Mm. still living in the house by himself. And he uh, remarries. He marries his assistant, and eventually they had to leave the home because his new wife was so fed up with the ghosts and couldn't take it. <gasps> she was like, this is too much for me. And I guess Harry had also been experiencing a lot of crazy sounds and activity there, but over time just got used to it or stopped, wow. stopped looking around to see what was causing it. What um, year did uh, they
0: move in? Sorry. 1946. Wow. So it was a, A female doctor back then—that's pretty cool. I know, right? Yeah.
2: I don't know how that's possible. I feel like that's our a a very separate history deep dive that we could be getting
0: into. Um, We gotta get that blogger back to go back in that that family's history. The one who, yeah, found all the drama.
2: (laughs) Obviously, also maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but I would maybe it's Doctor and mrs but it's the couple was spelled in all the sources as doctors harry and marion oh well there you go so i don't know um but yeah so they move in in 1946 three years later marion dies and harry and his new wife are living there and the new wife is like i'm out we can't do this Mm. and i guess uh harry had told people about the ghost he was open about it as a doctor and he was saying uh, this is a quote from him on what he said to people As a man of science, it was baffling to explain how ghosts that should not exist and could not be proven under scientific conditions truly exist in his home. Ooh. So I appreciate that he's like, look, logically, it should not make sense, but I cannot explain that I love that. um, So in 1967, uh, they end up selling the house. I don't know if they sold it or if it got sold to somebody else in the middle, but At any rate, by 1967, the house is sold to Cape May Inns Incorporated, and the original plan was for developers to turn it into multiple buildings, but the town hated that because the building was going to get demolished and it wouldn't stay preserved, and the uproar led to the town coming together to create an organization called the Mid-Atlantic Center for the Arts and Humanities, and they call it MAC as a shorthand. So in 1970, Mac was officially formed and began leasing the property from the city, and they did a full restoration on the home and brought it back to its original 19th century look.
0: Nice. All and the sticks still, are back?
2: All, all, every one of them. Yeah, maybe, maybe they threw an extra stick in there. Just Fine to see stickery. If you, oh, <laughs> they couldn't get enough of it. So Mac still preserves and maintains the estate to this day, as well as the Kate May Lighthouse, shout out Sandy Schiefer. Oh, no. Um, And the World War II lookout tower. So they maintain all of those. Wow. Um, Mac uses the estate as their headquarters. And they have turned the estate into a museum about uh, the family and general Victorian living. Cool. Um, Which I love because I guess half of it is they talk specifically about what the physic family was up to. But also they take the opportunity to be like, if you're in a Victorian mansion, we should just show you how they did things. Cool it's i think it's so cool i would would love to go visit me
0: too let's do it
2: let's go i by the way we're gonna get back to this general victorian living in a second but oh good um before we do i got a couple more notes just to finish this out so they offer uh tours um some of the tours are actually combined with trolley tours i fucking love a good trolley god i love a trolley i love a good trolley they also offer ghost tours and they also now offer a virtual tour for remote visitors so you can see that's fun you see the whole house for yourself. And the estate also, to keep it extra family friendly, they have an educational scavenger hunt on the grounds. <gasps> I fucking love a scavenger hunt. Let's do hunt. that. Let's do that. And it gets even better because they also offer high tea. Oh! Okay. You know what you know I love a good tea. They've we got tea. They've going. got scavenger hunts. They've got ghost tours. They've got trolleys combined with these tours. They've got and sticks. They've got sticks. And the high tea is held in the carriage house where the um, the way that they have like framed out and arranged the space is that each table that people are sitting at is in one of the old horse stables in the carriage house. Oh. So it feels kind of like super cool. Like oh, well, a horse used to be here. I don't know why they don't call it. <laughs> I don't know why they don't call it tables in the stables. I'm just saying, wasted opportunity. They might now that you said they it. They better. If you're listening, Kate May, I found a way in. <laughs> tables for tables in the stables. Um, but yeah, and then they do afternoon tea. And then you can go on a ghost tour later. It's very all delightful. I'm into it. I'm so into it. So almost 60,000 visitors visit annually. And in 1981, just to make it better, the estate was used as a filming location for the horror movie The Prowler. Ew. I know. And fun fact, this is where we get into our general Victorian living. Um, This is a quote from their website uh, on something you could learn about with their tours on Victorian living. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. You'll learn about the hottest vegetable of the time, (laughs) celery.
1: (laughs) What? What?
2: And because we're not in New Jersey, I thought I would do the deep dive myself. So here is... yes. Everything you need to know about the hottest vegetable of the time. I'm so glad you didn't leave me hanging. So here's a quote about celery in the Victorian era. It was, quote, as fashionable as today's dry aged ribeye or avocado toast. Wow, that is saying something. And here's why. In the 1800s, it only grew in the wetlands of East Anglia. Am I saying that right? God, I'm so sorry, everybody. It was somewhere in Britain, but it only grew in like uh, kind of like danker wetlands. Uh, and this was in the 1800s. Plus, the labor was so intensive during uh, like from the beginning to end of growing celery. People what? had to like people had to dig trenches just so you could put the celery in there, and then they had to keep like digging it up so you could find the white stalk of the celery. It was just a real mess, and it had to be in certain vegetation conditions with the wetlands. So it was just super difficult to grow and even harder to obtain. And so obviously, like, the wealthy class was like, uh-huh. we have to have this. Apparently, at the time cost 33 shillings, which is equivalent to $220 now.
0: I'm sorry. Not your average dry aged
2: ribeye situation. <laughs> Holy shit. It became such a hot commodity that even they had to come up with a punishment for thieves trying to steal celery (gasps) out of these trenches. And apparently the punishment was two months of jail time, if you stole enough celery. Oh my god! And because it was so hard to grow, this is where it gets extra silly. Or should I say, silly, silly celery. Because, (laughs) here's the thing. The upper class, they were... Once they finally were able to have some celery in front of them, they were like, they would feel guilty about even eating it because it was like, it, they wanted to just show it off at a, at a nice dinner of like, look, we have celery. Oh Don't eat God. it. We have celery. That's all that you need to know about how exquisite and fine this place what is. What the fuck? And so, enter celery vases. No. No. Because they they wanted to present it on their table more than they wanted to eat it because they wanted to show the the uh, how elaborate and how exquisite and expensive this meal was celery vases were there it, i have a picture of a celery vase for you oh what my goodness it literally just looks like a very nice vase Vase, i suppose if it's that nice <gasps> and the idea was since you didn't want to eat your celery you just wanted to display it for people in in the center of your dining room table you'd put the celery upright in these vases and it would look like a bouquet of celery what in this the vase fuck? and so it was mainly to see not to eat i assume at some point after everyone left at least you ate it otherwise you bought it for like 300 bucks to not to watch it rot i mean so, the thing
0: with celery though is like it's fine but it's not like it tastes like a delicacy right like it right it's not like that special to eat i feel like it's I
1: just so,
0: humans are so stupid we're like oh it's hard to find this <laughs> random ass vegetable
2: yeah and also i'll pay 300 dollars to right. stick it in a
0: vase and so uh, now it's super important i mean they would probably freak out about ants in a log if they knew they'd lose their goddamn life. what do you mean you're smearing peanut butter in that <laughs> peanut thing butter. You're, making it oh god, you're, you're making a 3 year old. oh my god you're
2: making it you're making it look like bugs are on it a what mockery. is wrong with you a, a, mockery. Mo-
0: a sham a full sham oh it's so crazy i mean wow that's i just that's next level so eventually i guess there were farmers in kalamazoo
2: michigan and these farmers had come from an area that, that or they immigrated from an area that had a bunch of wetlands so they knew how to handle that kind of vegetation oh, hell yeah so then they moved to Kalamazoo and I guess they were able to find some wetlands there and started growing some celery and they were able to, uh, by the way this is apparently unbeknownst to me until this exact moment this is why Kalamazoo has been nicknamed the celery city shut up <laughs> Because they saved us from the uh, the priciness of a celery stock.
0: Oh, it's so sad for all those celery vase makers, though, who were like, I got my industry set. I make celery vases. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, we don't put those on display anymore.
2: You are onto something, Christine. Because when this happened, the price dropped incredibly, (gasps) incredibly, uh, and celery became a common man's food.
0: Wow! How stupid must you have felt if, like, you had just bought three hundred dollars worth of celery and then everyone was like, "Oh, that's like," (laughs) and it hasn't even gotten shipped to you yet. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, you just have to wait for it. It's like getting like clothes for a party, and then the clothes come after the party, and you're like, like, "What was the point, man?" So now that anyone could have celery more easily, people started eating their celery instead of displaying it because it wasn't that big of a woohoo to show somebody. And they were like, why are we so obsessed with this? It tastes like water. Okay. Yeah. And celery vases didn't make much sense anymore except as fashion pieces on dinner tables. So for a while, people were still showing okay, celery guess vases. Okay, I you could
0: have a celery vase and be like, oh, yeah, I used to have a lot of celery before It was like hipster dropped. art. Hipster art. Yeah. It was like...
2: I like celery. I had celery before you could have it.
0: Exactly. That's a good point. However, celery vases
2: officially became out of style when a famous chef of the time, he wrote out to, or he like made it a, a I don't know if it was a press release or he wrote it in a cookbook or something, but he said that celery vases had become, quote, exceedingly common. <gasps> And they were now being, quote, discarded at fashionable tables, and the celery is now laid upon very long and narrow dishes. <laughs>
0: so, Celery enter. bases are out, celery plates are in. So, enter celery dishes. Okay. Celery vases are out. Celery dishes are in. Did you hear the news? <laughs> did you hear it? It would be like, can you imagine TikTok at the time? Like,
2: Oh, no. Can you imagine? What did I say in the last episode? 60 seconds. Can you 60- imagine a, <laughs> Sixty you seconds. Imagine a 60 seconds alert on TikTok about the celery dishes that are in
0: versus out? I think you'd need more than 60 seconds because that is something I would like to learn a lot more about. I also am going <laughs> to go by, let's bring celery vases back.
2: So apparently they were created, I think it was like until the 1870s where they weren't super pop, or where they were very popular up until the 1870s. And then they were kind of uh, slower. They weren't made as often, but they were still being made up until the 1910s. I'm so, going to find some. So if you find one, I would really appreciate if you could find one that was made out of uranium because then it also glows under black light.
0: Yeah, I could make like a very niche TikTok account where I'm like i'm looking for uranium glass celery vases <laughs> TikTok, do your thing also like <laughs>
2: if you happen to be someone from the 1800s that's listening right now and you own a uranium celery vase you don't want anymore you just send it on over to me with your pigeon or something Born i don't know to me you... okay either one here's mm. the thing though. so when the chef wrote that out and said hoy, no more to these celery vases ladies home journal they wrote an article where they followed it up and they were like the the main man on campus said so so you know here's the thing we also agreed ladies home journal that gets sent to every woman at this time every Susie homemaker that is the Susie homemaker has this magazine and we're telling you the vases are kaput (gasps) and celery dishes are in and when that announcement came out celery vases dropped like flies wasn't even didn't stand a chance oh i'm so So, sad for the celery vase makers oh can you imagine i just on the outs you also know the celery vase was expensive because why at the time why would you buy one if you couldn't put celery in it so you had to be rich to even get the vase so exactly it's a crystal number mm -hmm. and so since the chef put out his article and the ladies home journal followed it up or backed it up that was when celery was officially an everyday and every man's food. Wow. So celery started being served, served in all sorts of ways and people were experimenting with it now that they could finally eat it and not feel bad about it. So celery was now getting like all the credit, weirdly, like they, it was on every goddamn dish in the early oh. 1900s. So it was being served with every game bird you could think of. It was like a huge thing next to chicken. It was a huge thing next to duck. It was a huge thing.
0: Um,
2: It was also... I mean, it's a
0: great texture. I get why it would work, like, to add to food.
2: Well, on top of it being uh, often accompanied with game birds, it was also considered a palate cleanser after soups or fish.
0: Right.
2: Okay. And so palate cleanser accompanied with game birds is how it became the side dish to wings. <gasps> also, one of the first things that people started uh, messing with with celery, of course, was cheese. So people started making celery au gratin, Oops. which, uh, which <laughs> led to it later being served alongside uh, cheese as like a pre- or post-dinner snack. And this yep. eventually, with celery and cheese, led to the snack of celery and cream cheese. <gasps> And because I said earlier that it was often served with uh, game birds, it was, celery was the side dish next to the gross foie gras that was Mm. served in first class cabins on the Titanic. Whoa. And my last fun fact is, even in the 1860s, it was served as part of the salad list as plain celery that was literally a salad option plain celery or dressed celery which was celery with mayonnaise <laughs> and these were on the menu at the omni parker hotel in boston which <gasps> i covered in episode 154
0: oh my god celery with mayonnaise
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know so anyway that's all the celery i've got for you today but i i hope you like that i dished it out for you what a freaking tale em I knew you would like at least the tangents of this Oh,
0: I am enamored with the concept of a celery vase. Like, If we don't
2: have one by the end of uh, this year. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, sure. If you can find one that also, like, Amazon Primes in the next two seconds, let's do it for sure.
0: I am mesmerized by these guys. Google celery vase because there are some, like, really next-level ones that have, like, intricate carvings and stuff um i also decided last
2: makers I- all of a sudden have a chill down their spine because of the sales and celery vases they're about to be asked <laughs> they're like what the fuck it's is all this? of the grandsons of the people who made celery vases they're oh, like why are my ancestors proud of me today wow, I i'm about so- to
0: make lives changed. oh you're gonna change my life for sure i mean some of these are Wild looking. um I would love to find the vase, celery vase from the Titanic that they were sell- serving. You know what I mean? That's what I want. Oh yeah, is that too much to
2: ask? Probably not. Well, I'm I'm sure now when I think about it, like how many flower vases have I walked by in an antique store? And it might have been a fucking celery. It vase? might have been. Vesania. <laughs> anyway, there's your ce- your celery facts. I know
0: you needed them today. I needed so. them um and now on to the ghosts okay i was like is that the end that would be wild and i can you imagine if i was like there's no ghosts here but there is celery i I was like maybe i didn't realize that they got too caught up with the the celery and forgot about the ghosts
2: i want you to know i literally in my notes it's all black text except all my celery notes (laughs) and they were bright green
0: they better have been
1: green
2: (laughs) okay so that is um one of the hot tips you'll learn in general victorian living if you go on a tour at the elman physics we're gonna be estate. those people on the tour who are like well actually celery vases <laughs> can you imagine no we get on the tour and the tour guide doesn't mention celery <gasps> and i'll be like i'm afraid you've messed this up excuse me very Step badly aside. for yourself I i'm thought gonna you take wanted a tip today hang yeah. on last i checked there's a whole lot of celery we gotta talk about <laughs> okay so anyway that's that's your fun fact your your wealth of knowledge if you will love it i really if someone goes to like a pub trivia tonight and learns tell like, me. It, like that saves them i'd love to hear about it tell me okay as for the ghosts as of last year country living called the estate uh one of 27 most haunted houses in Yay. america and it was the only place uh from new jersey that was on the list wow Weird that you'd pick I never understand these listicles that are like one out of twenty-seven. It's like you really couldn't just do thirty.
0: No. You, like what's happening? Sounds
2: more intentional, you know. It sounds awfully intentional. <laughs> <laughs> uh so some of the ghosts that people experience are seeing shadow figures going down the hallways, they hear footsteps, they hear voices, they hear barking. Because oh. another fun fact for you, Dr. Emlyn Physic loved himself a good puppy dog. And Aww. And during his time living there, he had 14 dogs. (gasps) Holy shit. I guess he just wanted to be a farmer and have his own land and just have a bunch of animals. So why not a bunch of dogs? Yeah. He was also uh, one of the founders of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Hey, SPCA. We we love an activist. So. Uh, Yeah, he had 14 dogs at the time. And so I guess people still hear them barking away and they must have had a great time. I imagine if your owner is the founder of cruelty prevention and you get a whole four acre estate to run around, you're probably not going to leave that location when you die.
0: (laughs) I like the sound of it. That's a
2: good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm having a goddamn blast. I was the luckiest dog of my time. Yeah. People also see doors open and close. People feel touched by unseen hands and people also see a woman quote in vintage clothing in a mirror standing next to them good night I'm not interested in that so a lot of people think that is probably his mother or his Mm. aunt maybe um there have been noises throughout the house that have been so intense that construction or cleaning crews have up and left oh um and also the main spirit thought to still be in the house is aunt Emily and also aunt Isabel now that we know that she existed right um And one medium even picked up on the name Belle long before the discovery of Isabel living or dying there happened. (gasps) So many think that the sense of sadness people will feel in the house is lingering from Isabel's time here. Um, I don't know if that's because they think Isabel would be sad uh, based on the conditions she lived in, or if she is just sad because people didn't fucking remember her for so long.
0: Oh, okay. That's true too. Yeah.
2: Um, meanwhile so that's aunt isabel she's probably she's the sadder feeling one but there's aunt emily where people have said that when you feel her it's a very intense kindness but it's also a very intense like social butterfly joyous feeling um one person even described going into emily's room quote like visiting an old friend (gasps) that's really lovely and people know her spirit to feel like a party girl. Okay. Okay. And uh, she, I guess when they've done ghost tours or investigations, they've been like, oh, yeah, she would be having an, a blast here if, we, if she were here to do this with oh, us. Oh, so,
0: that's kind of nice.
2: So some say that when you hear the dogs barking, it actually means Emily might be around because she used to secretly let them in the house. <gasps> and so... Uh, some have seen dogs also, by the way, running around on the grounds. One guy saw um, dogs, like, running in the garden together. Oh, and I like that. It's very that. sweet. Uh, One quote that I saw about dogs, which I thought was interesting, was, ghosts of cats are common, but ghosts of dogs are not. Dogs are people-centered, and if they haunt, they are usually haunting with their former master. <gasps> which I think is very precious to know that if you and Gio go away, you'll probably still be romping Whoa. around together.
0: Oh, he's stuck with me. Or
2: he'll be in little Doggy Heaven and you'll be <laughs> in the flames. I don't know which one it'll be. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> we'll we'll find out shortly. Yeah. <laughs> uh I'll be happy to report. Um so they the thought is that they might be hanging around Emily who liked them so much or maybe if Emlyn's spirit is still around, he obviously cared for them a lot. So he's nice. if you hear, if you hear the dogs If the theory is right, that dogs are usually haunting with a master or with an owner or with a loved one, then if you hear the dogs, you can probably expect Emlyn or Emily nearby. That's so interesting. Um, One medium in particular who frequents the estate is named Craig McManus, and he's written three books on Kate May's ghosts. Um, Maybe more since this, uh, since my resources. Uh, And he actually leads one of the ghost tours offered at the estate called Midnight at the Physic Estate. And I guess he takes like a lucky group of people around and, you know, they get to see him in action. Uh, He's suggested that there is another spirit in the carriage house, but we don't know who it is. And he thinks it might be a driver. I like to think it might be a horse.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like if there's enough dog energy there, maybe a horse is there. I just right? don't like
0: that the horse is just stuck in the stable. Like I wish it were out running around. He's not. He's at the
2: table in the stable
0: having uh, tea with tea. you.
2: You're right. He's, have, he's <laughs> having a
0: goddamn
2: blast. Silly me. And he his little hoof pinky out, and when of he's drinking, course. if he disagrees with you, he goes nay. You know, <laughs> he's a, and he will
0: always disagree with you. <laughs>
2: He loves a disagreement. Yeah. Um, so Craig McManus, he also thinks that maybe Emlyn may have already passed on from the house. Um, and he also thinks that maybe the mother has passed on, but he he thinks the residual energy of the mother is still there because apparently mm-hmm. she was a very tough woman and maybe a little mean and her room when people go in there still feel a coldness to it they feel like kind of intimidated they feel claustrophobic they feel depressed so even if she her even if her spirit is not there there's still something lingering and in, yeah in the home. uh there is uh, it was like kind of fucked up there was one show that i watched where investigators were going in to look at the room and uh, the guide during the walkthrough literally called the mom's room quote the cold heart of the mansion. Whoa, okay. <laughs> like damn, you do not like the mom. Harsh. So the uh second floor in particular is haunted because that was the mom's bedroom where Isabel stayed and died. Or that the mom's bedroom, comma, where Isabel stayed and died, comma, where uh another bedroom was where I think Dr. Physic died in. Um so the second floor is just definitely the most haunted Okay. and the the creepiest story i've read about the house was that one of the managers of the preservation society uh they went into one of the front rooms and saw a book page standing straight up out of the book by itself huh? like like book open on the table and one little <gasps> page was oh, just that's... standing up straight
0: what did the page say oh i don't know it must be a message nobody checked they just sh- shut the book It was a receipt for a celery vase. (laughs) Uh, It was that women's home journal. And it was like, Oh, right. Celery (laughs) vases are out. Stop putting them on display. You're making us look bad. So the ghosts, apparently here's another theory is that
2: because the ghosts are so um, active here or because they, they move around easily throughout the house or they're responsive to um, you trying to talk to them. Some think that there might be a portal in the home. (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. And the only show that I could find that has done an episode here was a show that I hadn't watched before, but now I'm absolutely going to, ringing endorsement because they nailed it. Um, It's called Haunted Towns. It is a Discovery... No, it's Destination America, which you can find on Discovery Plus. Um, But Haunted Towns, it was season one, episode six, and damn, I've never seen more immediate intelligent responses happen one right after the other. Really? Yeah. Almost to a point where if I were watching it with a skeptic, they I would not be I I wouldn't blame them for thinking that the show was completely rigged because it like this investigation was working for them. Wow. <laughs> like,
0: What's the show called? Haunted Towns. Haunted Towns.
2: Season one, episode six, they did a Kate May episode and so they did a few locations, but the first 20 minutes was okay. the physical estate. And uh, so it's all, it was only a 20-minute segment for me, which was nice because usually I have to watch like a whole hour of Bagel Bites. And yeah. this was a nice uh, bite-sized experience. Um, but yeah, they were getting instant responses the whole time. Uh, when they first did the walkthrough, they were getting lightheaded. They felt icy cold. One of them felt like something hit them in the head in the mom's room, which she was known to be kind of mean. Um, and then in... At one point, one of them goes to turn the lights off in the mom's room and you hear a male voice say, thank you.
1: <laughs> okay. Like, thank you.
2: Turn the lights off. Let's go out of here. Or leave me alone. Please <laughs> go away. Alone. When they So they were asking, like, oh, can you knock to show that you're here? And every time it was, like, working for them, they said, can you knock on something? And they got a knock. And then they said, can you knock three times? And it took a while. It took, like, a good, like, couple minutes, but maybe not even a couple minutes. I would say one whole minute. They got three knocks in that one minute. Ooh. Um, then they see something in the mirror, which is uh, a common thing mm-hmm. there. And when they say, was that you? The light goes off next to the mirror that they had just <laughs> seen. Uh. Then they say, you can come over and touch me if you want. And in the next shot, you can see that there's four fingerprints on his neck. One of Uh, these investigators here,
0: let me just wrap my hand around your neck,
2: (laughs) right? Let me just five star you in the neck. Uh, And then when they go into Emily's room where she's supposed to be like super kind of fun and intense, uh, they heard a female voice when the investigators asked to show yourself, if you want to talk, they got a female voice. Then they said, can you tell us your name? And the Melmeter on the bed starts freaking out.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it
2: stops and they say, oh, was that you, Emily? Can you touch that again if it was you? And the, the machine goes off. <gasps> then uh, one of the guys says, like, he's just kind of talking to the rest of the investigators. And he's like, you know, what's so weird is I usually get more interaction from spirits when I'm not trying. And as he says that the flashlight goes off in his lap. Oh, no. And then he says, can you tell us what your name is? And the flashlight starts flickering by itself. Oh, my gosh. It was just all like kind of bam, 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 all after all one after another. And you could see that their hands aren't doing anything. They're not causing it. It just is happening. It was just very spooky. But anyway, if you want to watch it, it's Haunted Town Season 1, Episode 6. Uh, if you want to go learn about uh, celery, uh, you can do that. There's a lot of articles about how it was like the Victorian era's filet mignon. So enjoy, <laughs> and that is the story of the Emlyn Physic Estate. That was worth getting up early for. It. The celery thing really took me out. And also, I was, it was one of those things where I was like, I only have so much time to like sleep. I really need to go to sleep. And then I was like, I should see what the celery thing's about. And then I went on another hour long tangent learning everything about celery. (laughs) So I I just sacrificed even more sleep for for that conversation, but it made it so much fun. Honestly, it was worth it for me. So hey, I'll take it. I'm literally in a room the color of celery. I was thinking that. I'm just saying it was all
0: meant to be. I was thinking that and that's why we drink is sponsored by squarespace squarespace is the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online with squarespace it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms you don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag and drop technology. It gets better every year and it is just you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, And in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category. And then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, Okay, so I have a story for you today um, that I have heard of and didn't really know much about. And once I started researching it and reading the notes, I was like, oh, this is not kind of what I thought it was going to be. So I'm. Oh, that was me with that.
2: That was me when I was like, oh, I'll do the backdoor theory or something. It was like literal (laughs) astrophysics. And you were like, guess this is what people want. I was like, people won't shut up about this. That's so crazy. And then it was not what people were asking
0: for. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so hopefully this is what I think uh, it is and what people are expecting to hear. This is the story of the Springfield Three. Oh, I couldn't even begin to
2: guess what this is going to be about.
0: Okay, great. Well, it is a cold case. So uh, at the end, we will be going over, you know, what to do if you have any information. Uh, And I... Also want to say that uh, I feel like this is a longer story than I thought it was going to be, so I might have to do a little two-parter, depending, just because of oh. my Remicade. Um, I have to leave in, like, 45, 50 minutes. Okay. Um, well, okay. I,
2: I tried to sprint through that for you. I hope I hope I gave you enough time. I'm excited no, to I hear th- about it's, this. No, it's
0: definitely not you. I think um, there might just be more in here that I than I thought. Might I crack into it? oh that's beautiful well okay as as,
2: the, as water just sprayed all over the microphone the and microphone now, well,
0: just sparks
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know all of a sudden i'm not going to sound that good anymore
0: We're okay fine. you sound great to me all right this is the story of the springfield three so the springfield news leader the local newspaper in springfield missouri where the where these this case took place published a story in 2002 with the following headline They disappeared after graduation parties. A decade later, the case still haunts the Ozarks. Oh. So this is a very haunting story because pretty much it has no closure. It's never been solved. So it's still very um, troubling for the people who live there. Mm -hmm. And obviously the families. So on June 7th, 1992, 19-year-old Susie Streeter... Her 47-year-old mother, Cheryl Levitt, and 18-year-old Stacy McCall vanished without a trace. Oy. never been seen again, no sign of them, no clue what happened.
2: Wait, did you say it was a mother and daughter? Yeah. Oy, okay.
0: Yep, uh 19-year-old Susie Streeter, her 47-year-old mother Cheryl Levitt and 18-year-old Stacy McCall. Oy, okay. So Stacy was funny, bubbly. This is the um 18-year-old Stacy McCall was described as funny, bubbly, and she would do things and we called her spacey Stacy because she would come up with things that would be kind of space cadet things. That's a quote from Stacy's mother. Um and like to me the word spacey is kind of like not the nice like kind of means scatterbrained or whatever, but I guess Or, like airheaded and ditzy yeah, and Yeah, 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 but I guess they meant it more as like a compliment like she was very creative and inventive like her head was
2: always in the clouds but in like a create like because she wasn't on earth she was just on a, in a creative she was space in her all own time. world
0: maybe yeah 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 exactly
2: i can get into it i like yeah. i mean sure
0: spacey stacy also rhymes so it's good i for think me. that's why i can get into it i'm like <laughs> that certainly helps so she was just graduating high school and was set to go to missouri state university in the fall um according to susie's best friend his name is i'm gonna it's n-i-g-e-l but it's pronounced like nigel with a g, hard g but his name okay. when i first read it is nigel holdberry and who does that remind you of uh, nigel thornberry yeah <laughs> okay just want to make sure we're on the same page. next <laughs> next uh so i was a little disappointed when i found out it was nigel not nigel but that's okay close enough he changes it later when he marries uh the,
2: the rest of the thornberries oh <laughs>
0: and starts his big grand adventure in the yeah. jungle okay so according to suzy's best friend nigel Susie was outgoing fun happy a creature of habit and not the best use of the phrase but he described her as almost ocd to some degree uh great where yeah where she parked her car in the driveway it was always the same and uh Susie was going to become a hairdresser like her mother um and again you know i i'm f- fully aware that this this OCD is not just you know fun descriptor for for people who like to be organized uh but you know that's it's a it's a quote from the times and it gets the point across you know yeah 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 so Cheryl Levitt Susie's mother is described by her sister as pretty fierce a pretty fierce lady she didn't do a lot of half measures in her life so she didn't half-ass things she like if she was going to do something she did it a hundred percent got it Stacy and Susie were childhood friends who grew apart after grade school. Uh, Susie started to run with a more popular crowd and notably dated a notorious bad boy. Uh, Not that that's really relevant. Ultimately, I don't think to the case. It kind of puts her in a weird light, I think. Um, I see. But just... Full disclosure. So Stacy was pretty. She worked as a local model for bridal shops, and she was said to run with the goofy crowd class clown, the goofy crowd, uh, like class clown types. Sure. Their mutual friend from childhood, Stacey's best friend, Janelle Kirby, was sort of the glue that held the group together. So near graduation, Stacy and Susie rekindled their childhood friendship. And on June 6th, the pair planned to go to several parties together after their graduation ceremony at Kickapoo High School earlier that day. Quite Great a name. name. Yeah. Great name. After the ceremony, Stacy ate with her family, took photos with her mother, Janice McCall, in the backyard and then met up with Susie to go party. So the plan was to drive to Branson at the end of the night to stay in a hotel with friends. And then in the morning, they were going to go to Whitewater, which was a water park. So they were all going to stay the night in the hotel and go to the water park in the morning. Janice, uh, the mother, was worried about late night driving uh, and car accidents and was relieved when Stacy called around 1030 and told her plans had changed. She and Susie would stay at a friend's house nearby and drive the hour to Branson in the morning. So they would head to the water park in the morning. Okay. Susie and Stacy planned to end their night of partying at Janelle Kirby's house instead and leave for the water park altogether in the morning. But the house was full of Janelle's visiting relatives and there was no room to sleep comfortably. So Susie said, hey, Stacy, why don't you come back to my place? I had just uh, I just got this gigantic waterbed as a graduation gift.
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, very much like. You don't have to tell me anything else about the deck, the decade for me exactly. to know what era we're in. Literally your
0: birth year. Okay. 1992. Like <laughs> my, classic. my parents had a waterbed, Yeah. I think yeah. at that point, <laughs> I mean, classic stuff. So she'd gotten this waterbed as a graduation gift. Uh, at around 2am, both girls left Janelle's for Susie's and would never be seen again.
2: Uh,
0: okay. Earlier that evening, Susie's mother, Cheryl, was on the phone with a friend while painting drawers uh, a little after 11 p.m. After hanging up, she would never be heard from again either. Aye. So in the morning, Janelle and her boyfriend were waiting for Susie and Stacy because they were all supposed to go to the water park together. And Janelle called Susie's house several times but didn't get an answer. Um, And, you know, it was the 90s if the landline was ringing and nobody was home you weren't going to get an answer there was no way to like call a cell phone if somebody didn't have any other uh, other phone to speak of so according to a crime watch daily interview with friends and family of the missing women Susie's friend nigel also called that morning to find out when they'd leave for the water park uh also getting no answer left a message on the machine stacy's mother janice was also getting nervous uh she expected Stacy to call in the morning before heading over to Branson for the water park and Stacy was the type of girl to always stay in touch and update her mom on their plans. So Janice called and left a message on the machine as well. Uh she wasn't like super alarmed but she was just a bit irritated that her daughter daughter hadn't called her and was getting a little bit worried. Around noon, Janelle figured the girls overslept and headed to their house with her boyfriend to be like, let's go wake them up. They're clearly uh, like, we're supposed to head to the water park. They're not here. Let's go wake them up. They must have overslept. Sure. Fair thought. What? Oh, it's it's a fair thought. I would think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They're a bunch of teenagers partying after graduation. Makes sense to me. When they got to her house, all three cars were in the driveway. So there was Susie's Stacy's and Cheryl's Susie's friend Nigel said in an interview that it was weird that Susie's car wasn't parked in its usual place. Um, right. Because she's usually so routine with that. So hashtag OCD. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, she wondered if someone had already been parked in Susie's spot when the girls arrived in the night. Um, Maybe somebody who could be connected to their disappearance, like maybe sure. somebody's car was already there.
2: Or like it was a, maybe like a setup and someone, the person moved their car to the car there and didn't know what the, normal the spot usual is. spot Yeah,
0: exactly. The glass globe cover from the front porch light was shattered on the porch. Oh, okay. Weird to me. Weird. Um, Janelle's boyfriend swept it up with a broom as a courtesy to Cheryl and because janelle had driven their barefoot so <laughs> oh. i guess they're going to the water park so they're like fair enough shoes not needed but i don't I was think say, I not wanna... even a not even a pair
2: of shoes to get into not the park she a, was like I, I am already two steps ahead of you two, two naked
0: bare steps ahead of you bare steps ahead of you um you know so they swept up the glass uh neither of them really Would have considered at the time this was a crime scene. So first kind of piece of evidence just swept up, but not really their fault. They didn't know this was a crime scene. They were just trying to do something nice. So sources get a little bit wonky here. Um, so some say Janelle and her boyfriend were the first to arrive and that Janice was elsewhere with family. But one source says Janice was with them. Either way, it's consistent across all sources that the door, the front door, was unlocked. So after they kind of swept up a bit, uh, Janelle and her boyfriend went inside. The house was quiet. The TV was left onto a static channel, which freaks me oh, out. Oh Wow, that's bone chilling. Isn't that ominous? yeah i don't like it
2: like left intentionally or like the tv had been broken in a struggle and was oh i don't know
0: it just says it was on on a static channel
2: well i hate that
0: yeah it's not good uh and there was no sign of any struggle robbery etc Susie's yorkie cinnamon was there and seemed anxious and relieved that someone familiar showed up And so as the day wore on, people started to get a little nervous. Um, Eventually, friends and family all arrived at the Levitt house, including Janice. The house itself seemed quiet and orderly, but things started to kind of fit together in like a weird puzzle piece. So all three women's purses were still in the home and all of them were in Susie's room, Hmm. which is weird because Cheryl is Susie's mother. Like, why would Cheryl leave her purse in her daughter's room? It's kind of weird, I think yeah i don't know i don't know or
2: i i will never know i could come up with a like maybe they were looking through her purse for something
0: or i don't know yeah and maybe they were all testing the waterbed together i don't know
2: yeah i don't know you know (laughs) there have been so many times where even my mom has like come in from work and like thrown her purse in my room to like talk to me for a little bit and i mean oh yeah i guess that's fair yeah
0: that's true who knows so Cheryl's purse, um, when they looked through it, had $900 of cash in it. Oh, so if someone wanted to rob them, they yeah. totally could have. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, along with a pack of cigarettes and her lighter. And Cheryl was a chain smoker who was known to never leave her smokes behind if she left. So very weird that she would have left those behind. Yeah. Um, or so so open and like not in a safe, the $900. Yeah, the $900. Yeah, just kind of sitting there. Um, in Susie's room, there were either makeup wipes or washcloths with makeup on them, depending on the source, suggesting the girls had gotten home from Janelle's and washed their faces. So like mm-hmm. you could tell that somebody had washed makeup off their faces that night. Um, Stacy's shorts that she had been wearing the night before were folded neatly in Susie's room. Jewelry and watch were in the pockets and placed on top of her shoes and Janice insisted Stacy couldn't fit in Susie's clothes, so police think Stacy must have left the house in only a shirt and her underwear because her shorts mm. and shoes were in the room. And if she couldn't fit into her friend's clothes, right, what clothes would she have been wearing? So right, another huge red flag, because it's like, even if they did run out somewhere, like, why wasn't she wearing pants? You know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So unsure of what to do, friends and family uh, began cleaning up the house. Yeah,
2: Oof. they didn't know yeah. better. They That's didn't okay. know
0: exactly, and it's it's kind of like once makes you want to pull your hair out. But like, we probably all would have done the same thing, or you know, yeah. you don't know what we would have done.
2: But or um, like maybe I mean I don't maybe they thought something was suspicious, but maybe they thought like oh they must have just ran out to get gas before we go or they like for all you know like you're just helping them you're just tidying up while you're waiting for them to get back home that's kind of exactly
0: what the vibe was so it's almost like they're just waiting and what else are you gonna do besides sit and wait like you can be useful make yourself useful you know wash some dishes
2: the eeriness of being able to look back and think like wow i was just wandering around a house that only hours before probably had such like
0: sinister energy like yeah and and evidence that i I just swept up and put in the trash it's like yeah that's gotta not be a, a good feeling no no um so in later interviews everyone involved explained that they truly thought the women had just gone out without telling anyone and would show up soon and so they were just kind of like twiddling their thumbs waiting and they were like we might as well do them a favor and clean up and yeah. I don't know. Sweep up and do the dishes, etc. Um, and I guess sort of relevant like this is before people would have known. I feel like maybe if you're listening to this podcast or other true crime podcasts, maybe your mind would go there more quickly to like something terrible has happened. But this was like before the huge boom in true crime popularity and yeah, that kind of thing. But the people involved did say that murder and abduction simply didn't haunt the collective consciousness of people that in that time period, people, people weren't just assuming something went terribly wrong. I mean, a lot of places just left the doors unlocked back then still. Also, Um, it was a time period before like, internet and cell
2: phone and the culture of instant contact with anyone. It was just like, oh, I must have missed them. Like, it was just normal to think. You just had to wait. You just have to assume situations and be like, oh, I guess they, you know, maybe their mom insisted they get breakfast before Mm -hmm. they hang out with us today. Exactly. I mean, it was was so normal to not be able to get a hold of people. That's
0: exactly what it was. And so people, they had no idea that they were, you know, doing anything to ruin a crime scene or ruin evidence.
2: How long did they wait until they started getting worried? Like, did they... Did they eventually just say, like, well, let's leave a note and go to the amusement park, or did they wait until it got
0: dark? Or? So they uh, so they basically cleaned up the house, uh, destroyed any potential evidence unknowingly, they emptied ashtrays, vacuumed Ugh. clean dishes, and even made wow. themselves coffee.
2: <laughs> Damn, so they, first of all, they waited a long-ass time for a their friend time. to get back. Like, they basically did a whole spring cleaning of that house
0: they did they cleaned the whole house janice felt uncomfortable even because she that was one of the mothers because she expected cheryl to return any moment and ask what everyone was doing in her kitchen (laughs) she was like i felt weird like making coffee in her coffee maker because i thought she'd come home and be like what the hell are you doing Um, But they just had nothing better to do than wait. So by the end of the day, the house was pristine. And remember, they were leaving in the morning. But so they came over to wait. They were like, that's weird. They're not here. Let's just wait for them. Um, So basically, a whole day goes by. The house is pristine. The entire crime scene is pristine, fully contaminated. Yeah, gonzo. And uh, this is the worst part, like, as far as evidence goes. So there was a strange and upsetting... Possibly overtly sexual and aggressive voicemail on the answering machine. Oh, Someone okay. listened to the machine and didn't save the messages. Are you fucking kidding me? No. That part feels like
2: uh, overkill with the cleaning. It's like, what, did you
0: write them down somewhere else? or I, they... It was like one of those machines where I I assume they saw it flashing and thought, oh, maybe they left us a message to let us know where oh, they are. And then they listen through and it doesn't save afterwards. Listen through. doesn't save. You had to like purposefully save a message. Um, like you get one try at hearing a exactly, message and you better exactly. write it down. And yeah. if you're not recording it onto a tape or whatever, then it's gone. Um, So the message was deleted before police ever heard it. Uh, You couldn't really trace local calls. So there was really no hope of recovering the message and following that as a lead. Um, And I don't even know what the message said. Like, we don't even know what it was. But uh, it was just described as, like, upsetting and overtly sexual. You would think after hearing something that disturbing, then you would start looking around and being like, oh. Yeah. hmm. I don't know. Maybe not but I I would at least, but then again, it's a different time. I know exactly. It's hard to know. And I don't know who listened to the messages. Like if it was just one of the friends who was like, that's creepy and like deleted it. Or if it was like a parent, I don't, I don't know who listened to it. Maybe. Yeah. So throughout the day, Janice hesitated to call 911 because as she said, quote, that would mean it was an emergency and she thought the three women would come back any minute. So they just were like, "Well, it might be overkill to call the police when, like, we mm-hmm. don't even know where they are." Um, but the evening wore on, and so this is sort of answering your question of like, how long did they wait? They literally waited all day. Oh God! So the evening wore on. Police were finally called. Police showed up. They looked around the house. Um, they considered all the strange details, like the purses being left behind, the car in the drive, cars in the driveway. And they decided pretty quickly that this was officially a missing person's case with foul play suspected. So that can't feel good as the friends and family who are like in the house. Uh, I would
2: honestly, I would use that as an excuse for the rest of time to never clean again. I'd be like, I would probably have like a level of trauma to that. Like just imagine the, it's a combination of like survivor's guilt and just general guilt. And I would just be like, I don't want to touch anything because who knows what I'm, accidentally destroying throwing away i would never want to clean again
0: yeah i i yeah. completely understand that um they asked stacy's mother if she had stacy's dental records uh and janice of course was shocked because again in her mind like the th- they were going to come home any minute and now the police are asking for dental records to potentially identify remains and it's like yeah what a jump what a leap oh <sighs> Uh, The police even left a notice on the front door telling the three women to call the police station uh, if they made it home to cancel the missing persons report. But obviously that never happened. So the missing persons report remained. So sad. And now the police had a big problem. Um, An investigator on the case said in an interview that the way a case ends depends on how it begins. And, by that, they meant the first steps investigators take to determine the ultimate outcome. Unfortunately, the usual first steps were impossible because the crime scene had literally been swept up. Uh, so you couldn't get gather DNA evidence. You couldn't get uh, fingerprints because now there were fingerprints from the entire family and oh, friends group that was there. Yeah. Uh, the mysterious voicemail was gone and they didn't have any immediate leads So in two days, CBS's 48 Hours featured the case, and this got national attention for the case. Janice McCall, uh, Stacey's mom, and others distributed thousands of flyers depicting the women's faces and information, and on June 9th, the FBI officially became involved. Uh, In the following weeks, police received a lot of tips. None of them really led anywhere. A neighbor claimed she saw Susie driving a green van while a man yelled at her, something like, you better keep driving. Uh, Police bought a van matching the description of that green van and put it outside the police station, hoping to jog someone's memory. Mm. They even pulled people over who were driving similar vans for questioning, Uh, but this led nowhere. So uh, investigators turned to the women's histories and what they were doing that day to look for clues. So Janice said they found books about devil worship and satanic things in susie's bedroom but uh this reeks of our favorite satanic panic
2: (laughs) i was gonna say and also this was like the uh that was the time for that to
0: happen right exactly it was 92 so it was like on the tail end of all the like huge satanic panic nonsense that was happening yeah um so we don't really know what that means i mean it could very well have just been like a nirvana album
2: <laughs> true like yeah it really could have just been that or like the amityville horror was a book
0: sitting next to her right. bed or something right. so when janice said they found this uh devil worship stuff in Susie's bedroom this called to mind one person of interest Su- Susie's ex-boyfriend dusty who had been arrested for grave robbing with his friends uh, by the way when i, I am
2: unsurprised with his name being dusty i I feel like that's like no offense to any dustins out there but if your name's dusty and also you dig up graves for some reason those completely correlate it fits (laughs) doesn't it i like i have no 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 uh hmm i'm not a doubting thomas in this situation
0: (laughs) it's very very alarming i was like wow okay so satanic panic might be exaggerating but like her ex was arrested for grave robbing that's pretty wild to me i'm not that's... saying all
2: dusties do it but i am saying if you told me one dusty in the world has i believe you and, it and was i'm this guy. telling
0: you right now and <laughs> that guy there's the fact for you right here on a silver platter on a yeah. celery dish right for oh, you thank you celery <laughs> vase actually celery vase Susie's friends said that is why Susie broke up with Dusty, uh, and she was even scheduled to testify against him in the grave robbing trial in a few months, Oh, okay. Which that's may have that's been a motive mm-hmm. if Dusty and friends wanted to keep her quiet. However, her ex, Dusty, and all his friends passed a polygraph test, and of course there was no evidence uh, of them or anyone at the crime scene, so it was sort of a dead end. Can you imagine whoever did do this?
2: Like... The breath of relief they must have had to find out that all of the evidence was wiped away and they were like ninety nine percent likely going to get away with it.
1: Right,
0: I was just thinking that like, oh wow, her ex was arrested for grave robbery. What a perfect like, yeah, uh, red herring.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I not obviously like it's it's horrible, but at the same time, like, if you were to commit a crime, you could only hope that a bunch of people would wipe all the evidence away like yeah exactly
0: exactly it it, uh it seems a little too convenient for whoever actually committed this crime which is obviously very tragic because you know it'd be
2: really convenient as if uh the two kids going to the amusement park were the ones who did it and then they cleaned their own evidence away
0: oh and they were like mom do the dishes
2: (laughs) yeah i feel like that would be a a conspiracy twist on this but i don't you know
0: just shooting any idea out there yeah 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 um i have a feeling that unfortunately Probably I mean, wasn't them <laughs> wasn't them but you yeah. know it would have been in the in the like uh, adapted novel version maybe maybe that'll be yeah, the, definitely. the plot susie's older brother bart had also struggled uh with his family relationship and addiction in the past and had no solid alibi so they thought maybe that's a person of interest we could talk to but he also passed a polygraph test and couldn't be linked to the crime scene i mean quite frankly nobody could be linked to the crime scene so it feels yeah. like that's just going to be a pattern um so basically they were hitting one dead end after another okay so then a woman in florida named dorothy zellers saw the case on television and felt like she knew the answer So in 1978, her own 19-year-old daughter, Sharon Zellers, had been violently murdered after being abducted while driving home from her job at a Disney park. And Robert Craig Cox, who was a highly trained army ranger, who, by the way, fun fact, was once awarded Soldier of the Year, uh, was convicted of the crime and sentenced to death. So it was later ruled that there wasn't enough evidence to support the verdict, and the verdict was reversed on a technicality but the Zellers remained convinced that Robert was responsible. And this is where the twist is. Coincidentally, Robert had recently moved to Springfield, Missouri <gasps> and even worked at the same dealership as Stacy's dad. OK,
2: that, by the way, that feels like a humdinger. That's it like feels
0: I mean, I know it's all circumstantial, but like it's pretty strong circumstantial in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, so there was no proof he had ever interacted with Stacy at length, but like I said he did have that connection with her dad, working with her dad. Um, in a 2002 interview, Dorothy Zellers said about the Springfield 3 case, I just knew it was him. I just knew it. I said to myself, Cox did this. Oh. Robert was questioned, but his then girlfriend provided an alibi for him claiming he had been at church with her the morning of the 7th. Of course. And, of course. <laughs> Sorry,
2: with... uh, maybe he really was, but that
0: is wildly. Convenient. Hey, spoiler he wasn't. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Uh, and with family the night before. So they obviously had no evidence to link him to the house. So they had to let him go. Mm-hmm. On New Year's Eve, months after the disappearance, America's Most Wanted shared an episode on the missing trio, which uh, was now called the Springfield Three. And someone uh... called the. <laughs> It's,
2: fi- it's finally clicking. clicking. Don't worry. Yeah, we got there.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Uh, someone called the hotline with alleged information on the case, and the oper- operator tried to connect him to Springfield detectives, but the call was dropped. Uh, they think maybe the caller hung up. There's not really a clear indication what happened, but the call was dropped, and the caller never called back. Okay. One source says the call was traced to a store in Louisiana, but they weren't really able to... To track it to that. a specific person, and so it was just another dead end. So, feeling defeated, Cheryl's sister, Deborah Schwartz, said that after a long time of hearing about bones being found and new suspects that always led to nothing, uh, she just stopped believing in things or that closure would ever happen. Sure. Sure. In 1993, a man named Stephen Garrison claimed he knew what happened and where the women were buried. He offered oh. to share the information in exchange for a plea deal on a crime he'd committed, which was raping and terrorizing a college woman in 1993. So he basically uh. said, if uh, if I tell you what happened to the Springfield Three, I want uh, leniency on my charge. I want a plea deal on my charge. Uh. He claimed that uh, at a party, a drunk man confessed to killing the women and burying them at a site where police had previously searched for bodies in an unrelated case in 1990. He allegedly shared information that police knew but hadn't released to the public, so his tip was treated as extremely credible. Interesting. Okay. A judge issued a gag order so Stephen and investigators couldn't discuss the case or release updates on the search sites and, once again, most defeating line ever, they it just led nowhere, dead end. Oh, I really thought we were getting
2: somewhere, scene. <laughs> we're not. You really you really uh, teased me into that one. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, in
0: 1995, Robert Craig Cox, that guy for the soldier of the year, yeah, was arrested again this time in Texas for robbery. His ex-girlfriend who provided the alibi that he was at church with her, uh, recanted her alibi, admitting that hmm. she lied for him in 1992. And police went to question him uh, in Texas, but he remained silent. So another attempt at a lead, but nothing. Great. So in a 1996 interview with a reporter, when asked about the Springfield Three, Cox said, I know that they're dead. I'll say that. I know that. The reporter replied, that's not a theory. Cox said, Yeah. yeah, but I know that they're dead. That's not my theory. I just know that
2: girl what What? okay so wait so he was responsible or he knows who did it he knows something he's saying he knows something like he's saying i know with confidence not like an oh i know because i've done this before like this is he really sounds like he's saying he knows it for sure why why is he bragging like i don't know that's like if he ends up being the person who did this by the way the fact that all he had to do was keep his mouth shut and he would have gotten away with it is going to be so, in- I don't know, not infuriating, but just like I wanted to smack him in the face and just be Me like, Me too. Reth- well, for a lot of reasons, but like a what were you thinking moment.
0: Yeah. So at this point, police, he's telling this to a reporter. So police are like, okay, well, we're going to question you again. So they question him again. He refuses to admit to anything. He said he would not give specifics until his own mother is dead. What? yeah i think he means like i don't want her to hear what i've done i mean so he's just like slowly but surely confessing he's just like owning up to it almost unless he's He's just like like, toying with them oh maybe that's a dangerous game though (laughs) like
2: also i know this is no surprise to anybody but it's also a horribly mean
0: game it's a cruel cruel thing to do exactly yeah so the trail stayed cold um and as time passed weeks months years later tips never stopped coming in police followed every lead they searched fields in other counties they even went as so far as to follow circling buzzards in the sky in case the buzzards were like circling a body i mean it's
2: it's smart but also yeah i never heard that before i thought that was
0: really dark um, tips were often bizarre. Some suggested alien abduction theories. Um, Janice McCall, who provided her home phone number to receive tips, which must be excruciating. Every time your phone rings, you're getting like, oh, your daughter was abducted by aliens. And it's like, yeah. fuck off, you know? Um, she says she sometimes got hateful phone calls because people are just fucking cruel. hateful and cruel. Like why you would look at that phone number and be like, I'm going to call and make her life more miserable. Like, I don't know why you would do that, but here we are. Investigators formed their own theories they later shared in interviews. Um, It's generally agreed upon that the women disappeared between 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. that morning after the parties and before the uh, water park. One investigator believes one of the women was being stalked long before the crime took place and that the others were basically just like caught up in Whatever collateral damage collateral damage yeah and whatever plot like as additional victims um, another believes that investigators have even spoken to the person responsible but cannot share who or make any evidence stick uh, as i mean it sounds like robert cox to me but whatever
2: right right right
0: As of a 2017 interview with investigators by Crime Watch Daily, tips were still occasionally coming in about the women. Uh, Susie's friend Nigel feels feels the perpetrator must have been someone the women knew because there wasn't a struggle. Um, But others theorize that someone like Robert Cox could have maybe subdued them. He was uh, like a specialized army ranger. Maybe he just knew Mm. how to kind of surprise, like ambush people. And that's a good point. They couldn't struggle. Who knows? Bizarrely, a Springfield reporter named Kathy Baird, and this gets a little weird, uh, eventually came forward and claimed a psychic told her where the women were buried beneath the mm. foundation of a nearby parking garage, which at the time of the disappearance was actually just a dirt lot.
2: I'm <sighs> waiting for you to tell me that it happened. That that was where the bodies are.
0: No, no, it's a cool oh. case. Remember? <laughs> okay. Oh, right. God, sorry. I just keep hoping for something good. Um so however, according to investigators, this tip uh, like I said, came to her from a psychic, and apparently it's a dog psychic, and that's not a psychic dog. What? Like 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 talks to dogs. Talks to dogs, correct. And did a
2: dog relay the message or something? Yes. Yeah, so okay.
0: apparently uh the psychic asked Cinnamon, the dog. Oh okay. what happened to its family okay uh, and so now this reporter is like oh the dog psychic told me that cinnamon told her that the bodies are buried under this garage but well, how would the re- dog know that that's what i was wondering i was like how would the dog would they follow them there i don't know how well, the like, dog wouldn't, wouldn't the know that. dog be able to say well
2: if the dog can also also read clocks like oh at 3 30 a.m this is what happened." Yeah. like yeah or like oh they were like i i just wonder how much animals know like does the dog know to report whether or not she was wearing pants
0: or if the if the mom had a had a a purse with her or not like it just seems so wild that if the dog had this kind of information how would it know that they were where they were buried yeah wouldn't it just know like you said like wouldn't it just know oh well they were taken by a man at this time yeah whatever i just think it's so wild like how would he know that unless he like was in the car with them
2: (laughs) yeah I'm in the um... garage hesitant about this
0: so far so they tell the police this and the police are like sorry we're not going to demolish an entire building based on this tip um fair enough fair enough so this reporter who was like still dead set on this theory from the dog psychic hired a guy to scan the garage with ground penetrating radar and he did report three images consistent with what he sees while imaging old grave sites oh shit but the police wouldn't demolish the garage still based on this and they also um explain that the construction on the garage started a year after the disappearance during which time the construction workers m- almost definitely would have discovered the bodies while they dug up all that dirt wow. to okay. lay the concrete foundation but kathy is still convinced that this is absolutely what happened so in okay. 2017 kathy said she believes she knew what happened to the women they were killed before morning. She said the target wasn't Stacy, and when pressed for details, Kathy Kathy started to get cagey, and she claimed that Stacy was collateral damage caught in the crossfire when someone came after Susie or her mother. That was Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she refused to talk about the motive, and when asked by the interviewer and producer who were getting like really frustrated because she was like dodging all these questions. They asked her why she came to be interviewed if she wouldn't give out any information she claimed to have. She said she was doing the interview because their story needs an ending. That's why. But that Hmm. she was afraid for her safety and that random people were approaching her in public, asking her name and then telling her, quote, the people I work for make people like you disappear, too. Oh, I I think Kathy's just gone a little too far into this. And yeah, that's my personal opinion. I don't know the fact for a fact. Um, I I would agree with you though. It's just like if you have information, why are you not sharing it? Mm -hmm. Is my thought. It's a good thought. She said, I've been advised to leave this case alone, but she vows she won't. She said, to be careful who you trust and, quote, there's a reason this case hasn't been solved. It's just very. I just feel like frustrated with her because it feels like she claims to have all this information, but then it's just like vague and ominous about it. It's not really doing anything. She's is not helping anybody. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so in 2017, a local bar owner at the Coyote Adobe bar and cafe showed that he kept the missing persons flyer from 1992 still up in his front window after decades. Uh, he promised Janice McCall in 1993 I'll leave it up till they come back. And there it remains, although it's aged and weathered now. That's so sad, though. It is. Uh, Bill Stokes of a local barbershop made a similar promise. He said, I wasn't going to take that down until they solved the case. I was hoping they would solve it. Now I think it will probably just rot off the wall. Oh, yikes. What a specific thing to say i was thinking that too i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa." whoa, whoa. it's yeah. harsh
2: but i also i get it but it's also yeah, harsh right
0: after five years Susie's and cheryl's family took the steps in court to declare the two women legally dead janice mccall does believe they're probably gone but she says until their remains are found she has to believe that they're still alive and well Mm. Uh, there's a website called the Streeter Family Blog, where readers can find case information, persons of interest, television spotlights, interviews, and updates, and that web address is streeter like street with e r at the end family blog with two g's dot blogspot One of the most recent posts is from March this march, so march ninth twenty twenty two and that post reads "Happy Birthday, Susie, You are loved and missed god that 's so sad mm, I know. The website includes phone numbers to contact with any new tips or leads, along with a reminder that there's a $42,000 reward. And um, there's one quote that's pretty powerful that uh, I'm going to kind of close up here with. Okay. So this is a quote by Janice McCall um, on the website of the Surviving Parent Coalition, the SPC. Mm -hmm. And she said, wasn't it yesterday that she, Stacy, left our house after graduating from Kickapoo High School, that long hair flowing back below her waist in her new flowered shorts and yellow ribbed shirt? The image of Stacy walking away, basically one final time, um, graduating mm. high school, moving on to the next chapter in her life, um, and then never seen again is just very, I don't know, powerful and tragic. Eerie and dark and sad and heavy. So it's been uh, ex- almost exactly 30 years. So June 7th of this year was actually the 30-year anniversary. Um, and this is when a vigil was held in Springfield, hosted by Stacy's parents, Janice and Stu. There were 100 people in attendance. Um, and Janice McCall, who literally suffered multiple heart attacks the week before <gasps> the event, made it out to speak. And she said, "I hope that these candles being lit will be just one way of lighting their way back to answers. If you know someone who has the answers, please let them know that it's okay to come and tell us. All we want is answers, and I love you guys." And oh my that gosh is the story of the Springfield Three Cold Case. Whoa!
2: I gotta be honest; it's a real bummer that there are that we never got an answer after thirty years. But I, I was really hoping by the end. I know you said it was a cold case, but I was yeah, just hoping you were I know. lying I just, or something. I wish,
1: <laughs> I wish I don't there know.
0: I wish there was just something that was like a a thread or something we could hold on to that's like you know, they're researching this and I mean maybe when that truly maybe when that guy's di- uh, mom dies, maybe then he'll
2: Yeah, but then still it's something. like I mean not I I don't think I'm saying anything that would shock anybody, but I feel like if they never came back after 30 years, we can just kind of guess at this point that's something—yeah,
0: I think they're probably probably gone, like their family members say. But I mean, just to even have an answer or like bring someone to justice would be,
2: yeah. Boy, so, we'll see. Wow, Springfield three. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, really <laughs> takes a really bums me out i was trying to like give, give everyone a, a high with that celery stuff and...
0: you know you did and once again i do regret how we decided to situate these stories back to back
2: <laughs> it was very unwise <laughs> not our finest hour oh <sighs> well i'm sorry you, and now you have to go wow bumming Hi. yourself out and then you get to go do remicade for yeah with hours. a needle
0: how long does it last again um like four to six hours Ugh. oh my yeah God. it's well, not great i'll be
1: honest with you
2: so you woke up on the one day you should have slept in told a story that's awful and uh-huh. now you have to go do remicade what what other terrible things happened today
0: oh um or is that all of it well you know the night is young we'll find <laughs> out we could get sadder that's I fine get home at like 5 p.m that's wine less, time less think- t- you know what everything That's gonna... goes uphill at that point I think.
2: Until you come back and realize that there's no more wine. Wait, That's how the day gets worse. I am out of wine. That's not a joke. Wow. This is not your day. Go back to em, bed. I need to go to sleep. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, okay, well I am sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I hope you have fun getting stabbed in the arm. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Uh, I don't know how to end this. Do
0: you? And? Bats? Why? <laughs>